You are listening to Kick It, Don't Quit It, a motivational spiritual podcast seeking to spread love and grace. We are thankful that you have tuned in. So without further ado, come and kick it with the girls. Just don't quit on the world. It's Megan and uh, Sister Holly and Sister Erin with you here. <laughs> um, we are back with you on our fourth episode. Um, again, I'm leaving. I'm not staying. <laughs> <laughs> our fourth episode, and we are so excited to be with you again. Um, Sister Holly and, and me and, and Sister Erin, we actually got together one day um, when Erin, you know, the Lord gave her this idea of the podcast, Kick It, Don't Quit It. And we started going through topics and things that, that maybe you could learn from um, and that you could glean from and, and grab a tool for your tool belt for later on is an analogy I often say. And today we chose to talk about damaged but deliverable. Um, so that topic is actually a title from a message that our pastor taught. Um, I don't make I don't know if you were, I don't know if you were at the church yet when he taught this, but it was one of those, you know, there are some messages that you hear and they just stick with you for the rest of your life. Um, I have one that when I was a teenager, um, it was called one more night with the frogs and he talked about, um, Pharaoh and, when he asked him, when Moses asked him when he wanted to get rid of the frogs, Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that he could have gotten rid of the frogs right then. He could have said, now. I want them gone now. But he chose to deal, to live with that issue for one more night. Mm-hmm. Um, and the damaged but deliverable message from Pastor is one of those messages. It has stayed with me. He talked about stinky meat. And now he would go to the store and he would buy the stinky meat, the meat that that was on clearance because it was going to go out of date in like a day or whatever. Um, But he would get, he would get good cuts of meat for half the price because it was about to be expired. It wasn't expired yet. It was just about to be expired. And that, um... He would get cans of stuff that he didn't even know what it was because it didn't have a, a thing on it anymore to tell you what it was, but it was at, at a reduced rate. And that there are things that are damaged, like stinky meat or dented cans, <laughs> that are still good. They're still good there. Um, it's damaged, but it's still deliverable. Um, and it's one of those, like I said, one of those messages that's always stuck with me because I came to Salvation Ministries and I was damaged. I was, I had been beat up. Um, I had a lot of church hurt. I had been, felt like I'd been betrayed and stabbed in the back. Part of it, I caused myself, um, because I was doing some stuff that I shouldn't have been doing and I was called out on it. Um, other of it was not my fault. Um, but I was dealing with all of that. And on the outside, I painted a perfect picture. But on the inside, I was broken. Mm -hmm. But the message, like, it hit home. Because even though I was damaged, God still saw me as deliverable he still saw me as wanted he still saw me as a needed part of the family of God Um, and that damage has been mended Um, I still have scores we all do Um, there are things that we go through in our life that we allow some of the stuff is stuff we allow some of the stuff is it's just life. It's mm-hmm. things that other people have done to us that we didn't ask for. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of people out there. There's people sitting in this room who there are things that happened to them when they were younger. Um, there are people who are listening to this podcast that they did not control the things that happened to them. They have scars that they hold 
because of things. Um, but when we, there, there are times in our lives um, where we look at ourselves and we don't think we are worthy. Um, that there's no way God could look over all the things that we've done or that have been done to us mm-hmm. and would consider us lovely. That's been a big Goliath in in my life, and you two ladies know that with me. I've heard a lot. Um, Sister Holly, actually, the other day, I, I don't really remember what I was saying, but she literally said the other day, you are so hard on yourself. Yeah. And that comes from a place of things I've done that I knew were wrong or things that were done to me that were wrong. Um, and it leaves these, these scars and these, these bruises on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to learn how that, how to not let what has happened to you and what you've done at some point, cause we've all done things we're not super proud of, um, affect you now. How it, how it doesn't dictate your conversation. How it doesn't dictate how you talk to yourself, about yourself. Um, that's, a, that's a journey. That, that's, a, that's not just one season, if you ask me. That is a lifelong growing and evolving. Yeah. Um, that's tough stuff. Well, I mean, we, and you can, we can say that, you know, we're past that point. Yes. You know, that we've, that we, you know, we've claimed our salvation that we're far enough in our walk with Christ that that um, we don't have those thoughts anymore but I mean is that complete truth or are there times when we do something and we're like I can't believe I just did that I can't believe I let that word slip or I can't believe I I, I looked at that person and judged them for what they were doing when not so long ago that was me. I have a really real life example and it's, it's a little personal, but I'm going to go ahead and share it. Um, a lot of, you know, if you've listened to our first podcast, um, I have recently gotten married this past December. Um, and I was talking, um, to my husband one day and I thought to myself, um, you know, I was just talking about how, how I'm so thankful for this relationship and what God has done for me. And I have literally thought to myself before, I wish that, um, that I had done things God's way from the beginning because not doing things God's way from the beginning, you know, I have, I have children that didn't come from my husband. And so that is a disappointment to me that, uh, you know, to say that I regret that I, I love my children. I want, I'm glad, I'm thankful for my children, but do I regret, you know, having taken certain steps with people I wasn't going to spend my life with? That's really, that's really tough on me. And I have felt, you know, remorse in that. And that has hurt me. You know, when I, I think, so I, so with Aaron, you started off talking about one night with the frogs that was actually a message that Derek preached mm-hmm. uh, brother Derek preached early on uh, at our church right yeah. I remember that and um, sometimes we're just comfortable settling with our issue because that's what we've always known right. and um you know, Sister Megan, you're talking about how, you know, you have mentioned about your past hurts and trauma and, um, you know, having past relation, having children in past relationship and bringing that in um, and having that, tra- bringing that trauma with you. You know, even though we have that, that bruise, the, a bruise is something that when you touch it, uh, it still hurts, yeah, because you've touched it. It doesn't mean that we forget what's happened. No, it means that it's it's still there. Yeah. What the enemy does is he tries to make us think that we, because we remember it, we haven't forgiven. Mm. And just because we remember it doesn't mean there's no forgiveness there. It just means I mean we're not going to forget what's happened. 
It just means it no longer has a hold over our emotions. Yeah. Or, and, and sometimes our, it brings back emotions. You know, when I think about things that have happened in my life, it brings back emotions. But those emotions, I'm not controlled by them. Yeah. And so there's forgiveness there. I'm not controlled by those emotions. So, you know, he uses, he uses old things, old happenings in our life, old traumas to try to control our decision-making process now yeah. and, and create stumbling blocks for us. So, so, Holly, what I'm, like, you were talking about bruises and how Satan will come in and, and tell you that that, that bruise, that little bit of pain is, um, is more than it is. So, um, he tries to make it feel like instead of just a bruise, it's a break. It's something that could uh, be a permanent yeah. Instead of just something to learn from. And there are things in our lives, um, things that we've gone through, that can be something that, like we said, leaves a permanent scar. We choose how that, how that scar dictates us. We mm-hmm. choose whether it, it's something that we have a testimony from, mm-hmm. that we can help other people with when they're struggling with something whether it be an addiction whether it be um whether it be a sexual assault something that they've gone through that was pushed on them not something they chose themselves um whether it just be an attitude or a um, whether it be an attitude or a um, emotion that they allow to dictate how they respond um those scars that we have like i said we we choose whether it dictates how we go with our life or whether it just becomes a testimony and something we can we can help others grow through um the can that's dented can either The food inside of it isn't affected if it's dented. But if you continue to dent that can and there becomes a hole, then the food inside is 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 contaminated. Um, and we choose whether the scars that we have um, become lessons or whether they contaminate us. The So, my testimony is full of all kinds of traumas with between addiction, sexual assault, abuse, you know, I mean the it runs the gauntlet. My brother died of a heroin overdose. I mean, lots of different things. The enemy does not get to dictate and he doesn't get to use my past against me. I had to one day decide that I was no longer going to be a victim and I had to stop living in a victim loop. And what happens is something in my life happens to me and I respond wrong, but I'm justified in responding wrong because I'm the victim. So now I get to, I get, I get to run in this victim loop constantly and it steals my victory. Well, at some point I have to say, okay, this is where I become responsible for my decisions. This is where I become responsible for letting my emotions take over and making emotional decisions and not making fact-based decisions. And, and I have to stop saying I'm the victim, come out of the victim loop and take responsibility for my own part in the different parts of my life and what part I play in that. So I'm not allowing the enemy to keep me in a victim loop anymore. And I'm no longer going to allow myself to stay there. I can't live there because if I live there, it's going to affect everybody else around me. It's going to take my joy. My joy belongs to me. The Lord has given that to me and I've got to protect it in order for me to protect it. I can't live in the victim loop. I have to be open to feedback. I have to be able to accept it and I have to be able to live under authority. And I think that I've seen folks really struggle with living under authority and, and staying in a victim loop 
And I'm telling you, once you come, it's so hard to come out of, but once you come out of it, there's complete freedom. Well, and I, I think when you live in a victim loop, you can't accept authority. Because as long as you're playing a victim, as long as you're playing or staying in that victim loop, any kind of authority, um, it pushes against that victim mentality. So if, if I'm the victim, if everything is out to get me, and you come to me and you say, not everything is out to get you, then you are now the enemy. Mm-hmm. So if you are trying to put an authority, if you're trying to, to get me to understand that I'm not the victim, that, there, that I have a responsibility in this to be able to move past that, you are now the enemy because you're trying to make me move out of what I what I know, what is comfortable. I'm comfortable being the victim. Even though I say I don't want to be, I'm comfortable being that victim. It's not my job to make you. Only the anointing can break right. the yoke of bondage. That's what the Bible says. So if I try to make you move out of a victim loop, of course I'm going to be made the enemy. Because the intent of my heart is not to be your enemy. It's not to hurt you or it's not to uh, make you feel bad. But I'm not allowing the Holy Ghost to do what it needs to do. It's my job to love you through it. Period. That's it. I mean, the, the word is alive. And we have to allow the anointing to draw people to it. We've got to allow the Holy Ghost to do the Holy Ghost job. And so many times in my life, I've tried to take on his job. I've tried to take his job from him. And that's not, that's, he didn't ask me to do that. He didn't ask me to carry that. That's up to him. So it's my job to love thy neighbor as I love thyself. Yeah. As you're talking about this, I'm, um, it's what's coming to my mind is Job. Um, and if you look at Job in that prospect of what you just talked about, he had lost everything. His wife came to him and said, play the victim. Mm-hmm. She said, just, just, just curse God and die. Just, just take on that full victim role. Just be an authority. I'm your authority. Just, just curse God and die. And Job said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to play the victim. I'm not going to play the victim in this situation because even though all this stuff has happened to me, my God is still bigger than that. He even regretted the day he was born, but he did not blame the Lord. Correct. I mean, that, that goes back to be angry and sin not. I'm sure Job was angry. I'm sure he was upset. I know he was because we, we know from reading Job and reading how his friends had come to him and said, oh, it's your fault. And him, he blew up at him multiple times and said, "I'm. it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. And they're like, you had to have done something wrong. And he's like, I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I mean, we have, we've in um, youth Bible study, we've been reading the book of Job and we just got out of, we read Genesis for over a year. Um, and then we went to Job and we've been reading Job. And it's like, and I was like, Job is probably one of my least favorite books because there's a lot of whining in Job. Mm-hmm. And he did a lot of whining, but he never played the victim. He's, you know, he, yes, this happened to me. And it's okay to acknowledge those things which have happened, which has happened to you. I've, Sister Holly, um, the last time that you spoke at the, um, the rehab thing that we have here in town, um, when all the church, when all the rehabs had come together and you gave your testimony, there were things in that testimony I'd never heard before. And it was a testimony. There was lots of tests that went through. I'm sure there was years of anger. There was years of of regrets. Mm-hmm. But it was a testimony. And then, Sister Megan, the last time you spoke and you gave your testimony, there were things, even though we've worked in ministry together for five years now, 
there were things in that testimony I had never heard before. Things that you shared, you opened your heart up, but if you weren't where you are now, you couldn't have said those things. A year ago, I don't think you could have said those things. Yeah. I I think that I love the concept that you ladies are sharing with us about the victim mindset and the victim loop. And for me, um, as well as you, and I, I'm going to assume, um, there have been times that I was the victim. I was done wrong. I was mistreated. I was used. And I was abused. But um, Holly worked with me for, for a long time on this one. And what she was saying... At first, I didn't understand her. She wasn't saying that what happened to me wasn't real and that it doesn't matter. She was saying, honey, let's get up and let's move forward. Because when you mope around about the issue that happened 10 years ago now, and I'm not trying to sound insensitive to anybody at all, but it it serves you no good. It serves the people around you no good. Um, My father this past year lost his life um, due to drug use and that cuts me very deeply because a lot of trauma comes from that man but that doesn't mean I don't love him that's my daddy and I'll always love him but I can't walk around as a victim and using the banner of those mistakes is how I live my life now You see a world full of people saying, my daddy did that to me, my mom did that to me, and what they're doing, and again, this might sound a little harsh, Um, it comes from love, I promise, Um, but you see a lot of people walking around with with open wounds and and saying that I'm the victim, so I get to act like this for the next 10 years, I get to rage in my anger and rage in the storm, and I get to to say what I want to say and do what I want to do because I'm validated, I am the victim. But that serves you no purpose, that serves the world no purpose, that, that, that does nobody no good. There's no growth in that. There's no change and there's no healing. We rob ourselves of a healing because we refuse to get out of the victim loop. You can't be a victim and live like that and find the healing. It's one or the other. Well, the woman with the issue of blood was still suffering with the issue of blood yes. when she was crawling through. She had to press through the crowd. While suffering. While suffering. She had to press through the crowd. And in those days, they couldn't be around her because she had the issue of blood, so she was dirty. She was unclean. So she she went through this thick crowd, and she touched the hem of his garment and pulled the virtue out of him. And he said, who pulled the virtue out of me? Well, if, if, the, if we look up the definition of virtue, um, I mean, she pulled power, the power of virtue, out of him. She did all of that while still being a victim Ooh, that's, yes. at the time. She was not willing to live mm. stuck in that anymore. That's she had true. to have the healing. <laughs> she was desperate for the healing. And if we get desperate... For Jesus yes. Christ to heal us, he will make us whole. And how do we pull the power of virtue out of him? How do we pull power from him? Mm-hmm. We pull power from him by worship. Yeah. He inhabits the praise of his people. He is there. And when we lift our hands up and we worship him, even when we're suffering, yeah. even when we're not healed, even when we're in the middle of being a victim of something that's real, Yes. We pull power from him, and there's healing in that. When I talk to to women or or just whoever approaches me, and and maybe they give me a little insight about what they're going through, Um, you know, you you just hear of such tragedy and hardship and difficulties and traumas and all of these things, and it seems like the decision that they're battling while trying to talk to me is, do I remain a victim Mm -hmm. or do I press through the crowd? You don't find healing until you decide that you're going to let go of the Mm. victim status. What was done to me, what I did that hurt me. Yeah, those decisions. Um, 
a couple years ago, my um, son graduated high school and decided that he was going to move thousands of miles away. Mm. Um, And probably one of the hardest things I've ever gone through um, as a mom having your kid thousands of miles away, knowing that he's not in the headspace that he should be, um, knowing that um, he's left all connections to the life that um, he was raised in, to the church he was raised in, to the people who um, had his best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. And um, I got a phone call from Megan not long after he had left and um she said there's a there's a a message i need you to listen to Erin." and i said okay what is it and it was um sister showstrand showstrand mm-hmm. um and it was i don't i don't think the the message was um the waiting room but it was something like that um but she talked about her life and her daughter who had was having some health issues and um and she was in a, a physical waiting room she was in the hospital waiting room and she said i just got down on my knee and uh, knees and i told god yes. um i don't know what your plans are for her mm-hmm. i don't know if she's supposed to die young yeah. or if she's supposed to grow old um i don't know what that plan is i know what my plan <laughs> would be i know what i want for her yes um but I don't know what your plan is for her. And I know your plan is way better than what my plan is. Mm. And so, God, I'm giving her to you. <laughs> and if you tell me that she's going to live till she's 90, or if you tell me that you need to take her now, I will rejoice in that. Mm. And as I sit here in my waiting room, in this waiting room, whether it just be this waiting room, or whether I be in a waiting room, not a physical one, but a emotional one for the next however many years. I'm giving it to you and I'm going to praise you in this waiting room. And um, I listened to that. And um, there were many days in the almost two years he was gone that I would remember that. And, um, and I would just go back to, I'm in the waiting room. And I will mm-hmm. praise you while I'm in the waiting room. Um, and I would just thank you, God, for everything you've given me that I know your word does not return void and that at some point I will see the fruit of what was placed in him when he was young. And, um, and you have, I I have, and (laughs) I mean, and, and now he's, he's back. Um, he come home. Part of that is, um, all because of our pastor who loved him without being you should do this and you should do that and there are times in people's lives where you just you just have to love them yes. and you have to let them make their own decisions and then if they come back you just continue to love them mm-hmm. um, and you don't oh well I told you you'd be back because um, that doesn't do them any good it doesn't do them any good mm-hmm. you just you love them from afar you love them when they're near. You just love. Um, the, the, the thing that I think the church has gotten wrong for so many years is that they forgot they weren't supposed to be the judge. They were just supposed to be the love. Um, because they want to, when you come in, they want to say, oh, well, you're not wearing the right thing or you're not doing the right thing. Oh, well, you shouldn't be smoking out front of the church. That's bad for you. You know, whatever. They want to the judge and tell you what you're doing wrong and how to fix it. When if you'll just love, God will do the fixing. You know, I, I know we were just playing around the other day when Daniel was out front doing his form of greeting. But it was truth when I said, we greet them, we seat them, we let God do the rest. We love them, and that's all we can do. Um, And that's, for the the almost two years he was gone, that's all I could do. I'd wait for a phone call when he'd call. 
I'd ask him how everything was going, tell him I loved him. Yeah. And that's that's all I could do. Um, and then I'd go to my waiting room and I'd praise. Because there have been plenty of times I have worked, walked into the church and I have just been broken. And all I could think is I just have to get to an altar. I just have to get to an altar. Because if I can get to an altar, everything will be better. Because I can lay everything down. I can put every burden I have on that altar. And then I can leave it there. Because he'll take my burden. And I can take his. Because um, there are some things that I don't want to share with everybody. Not because I don't want them to know. But because I don't want to burden everybody else but I know I can give it to God and he can take it his shoulders are big and all I have to do is just lay it at his feet and say okay it's yours because it's always been yours um, and you know how to deal with it way better than I could ever deal with it that's awesome I'm actually in that right now because my son does not live here. I've been praying for him for years. I've got one son that's here and he's not in church. And one son that's not here that's not in church. And they're, they're, at this point, they're just, you know, they're just not there. They're not interested in living for, you know, living for Christ right now they're not they're wonderful men wonderful husbands wonderful providers but I am having to press through I'm in the waiting room it reminds me so I took I, I put this note in here actually I put it in the text to my husband but I didn't send it so if I accidentally send it he's going to be like what in the world are you talking about <laughs> So, it reminds me of the story of Jesus being invited to the Pharisee's house. Mm -hmm. So, Jesus walks in, and the Pharisee doesn't greet him with a kiss. Mm. He doesn't give him anything to wash. His feet don't get washed. I mean, all of the normal ritual things that they do for a distinguished guest doesn't get done kind of insulting yeah you know if you're gonna invite somebody to the house you're gonna be like hey welcome uh, you know it's so nice to have you you're gonna lay out your best but basically he was invited but then kind of ignored it sounded like to me so anyway so of course the the jesus sits down and a woman comes with the the bible talks about this is a woman who has many sins many sins so if she's coming to a pharisee's house and she's got many sins this lady wasn't invited yeah. she just heard he was there and she showed up she knocked on the door she already knew she wasn't invited she already knew she wasn't supposed to be there so what happens when somebody comes to your house that's not invited well why are you here who yeah. invited you and, and then to boot, it was someone who was thought of as a nasty sinner who had lots of sins. So who knows? So people were probably whispering. Yeah. People were probably watching her. People were probably being nasty to her. Well, I hope she doesn't come over here and start eating because then we're going to have to clean all the silverware. You know, what, who knows? But she, ha but she knew the response she was going to get from the people there from that dinner party. Mm -hmm. She knew people were going to be talking about her. And she went anyway. She went anyway because she was desperate. So so what? when do we reach that point of desperation where we're willing to do anything? So did she ask Jesus for anything? Mm -hmm. She went out of desperation. So she shows up ready to take the ridicule, ready to be looked at, ready to be talked about. How many of us don't go have have not gone to church because we thought somebody was going to say something about us yeah. or about the decisions that we make? <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. So that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> okay. So she's there. She goes and she's crying so much 
that she's washing his feet with her tears and then she lets down her hair. Well, back then, if a woman lets down her hair, from my understanding, that was a very intimate thing because people didn't walk around with their hair down like that, you know, women. So she lets down her hair and she's drying her his feet with her hair. She's anointing him. And, and they're like, you know, who is this? Why are you here? And he said, and Jesus is like, this woman has, has not stopped loving me since she got here. She did not care who was looking. She didn't care who was doing any, who was talking about her. She didn't care that she wasn't even invited. She, all she wanted to do was love him. The Pharisee, the Pharisee had him come because it was a prestige thing. She came because it was a love thing. And so it, it thing. makes me ask myself, because this woman was damaged. It makes me ask myself, when I go to church, am I going because I need him and I need to love him? And I want to do anything I possibly can to love him? Or am I worried about what someone thinks about what I'm wearing? Am I worried about what someone thinks about my hair? Am I worried about what someone thinks about what I did last week? Or what I said on the podcast? Or what I, what I, how I responded poorly? Or, or maybe I fell off the wagon for something. Am I, am, is that what's on my mind? Am I going because I just got invited? And I want to show up and... and have, you know, be, be honored. Yeah. What are my reasons for going? And I've, I had to find a place in my life where I had to change my reasons. Mm. It can't, it it no longer had anything to do about, uh, do with my damage or what other people were saying or seeing or looking at me like it had to be about the love I have for him and developing that relationship so that I can love him. Because the Bible says that the, it was a church person that came and said, you know, depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason why that he said that was because at some point in their life, if we were known, if we were known, if he knew our name before we were ever formed in the womb, how, why is it he said, depart from me, I never knew you? Because he knew the plan he had for our lives before we ever began before we were ever even formed. And at some point during our life, in that person's life, they got off track. Mm. They could, and they did not step back into the plan that God had for him. So what he knew for that person became the unknown because Mm. they were never in that plan. I don't want to get there. How do I not get there? How do I stay on his plan? At his feet, that's how. I go to the party uninvited, ready to wash his feet with my tears. Even though I'm damaged, he can still deliver me if I'm there at his feet. Mm. So I just finished the book, Not a Fan, by um, Kyle Eidelman. Just finished it this morning. As a matter of fact, I've been reading it on my treadmill in the morning at the gym. Go, girl. Um, I I just started um, God's at War. Mm. So, um, but... That what you were saying reminded me of that not a fan, um, because the the uh, Pharisee was a fan. He was a fan of Jesus. He didn't really want to know him. He just he just wanted to to say, oh well, this person who's been causing all this the the, the talk is at my house. I'm I'm famous because I know somebody famous. Mm-hmm. Um, the the woman was a follower. She truly knew what Jesus could do for her. She knew that he was he was something more than just a famous person. He was special. He could offer her something nobody else could. The same thing with the woman with the issue of blood. She knew all she had to do was just touch him. Mm-hmm. And she wove her way through a crowd of people knowing that if they knew who was touching them, 
they would be incense. Well, she didn't even touch him. She just touched his garment. Right. But knowing that if the people that she was touching trying to get to him, mm-hmm. they would be incensed if they knew who was touching them. Yeah. Um, and she didn't care. She wanted to be close. She yeah. needed to be close. And I think there comes a time in our life, and it's a season. There are Sometimes there are seasons where it's an ebb and flow, but I think all of our life has to be... And all of our life has to be that push to be close. Um, I remember as a teenager, my senior year, I went through a really, me and the boyfriend I'd had since ninth grade had broke up. I was going through a really deep depression. When I come out of that depression, my push towards God was, was greater than it had ever been. And... I remember sitting in my front yard and a friend came up to me and they were like, what's going on? Like, you had this look on your face. And it was just, I felt joy. Like, there was a joy that I hadn't felt in a long time. And I was like, I just feel like I'm chasing God. And every time I get real close to him, he's like, okay, go this way. And I said, I feel like it's a, a like a, a tag, a game of tag. And every time I get real close to him, he's like, okay. And he takes off. And it's not that he's trying to get away from me. He's just trying to take me someplace. And it's fun. It's a game. I'm I'm racing after him and he's letting me get close. And he's like, okay, well, now we got to go this direction. And he lets me get real close. He's like, okay, now we got to go this direction. And I, I believe that that's the way God is. He lets us get really, really close. And he's like, okay, you've got to this stage. Now we're going higher. We're going, we're going further. I've, I've brought you here, and you can feel me, and you want to feel this. Now, follow me this direction. Yeah. And we have to keep that push um, in that relationship. And you'll notice the two women that uh, you two have referenced to, they were both in very desperate situations. Mm-hmm. Um, how many times do we pray away the situation uh, That's a good point. We do. And, and when I say we, I mean me. I have done that. Um, I've prayed away the situation I was going through and, and the potential damage that was going to touch me, and then it did. But those things only brought me closer to the mm-hmm. Lord. Um, whenever I went, uh, I, I had a relationship in my life, and, and then it ended. And uh, that tore me so deep cut me so big and wide um not because this person's satan in flesh and i'm just an angel or vice versa <laughs> but um it, I mean, it it hurt me so badly that i got so desperate for god um and i didn't know exactly what i was desperate for but i but i knew that the lord had more for me than that and i'd be lying to you today if i didn't have a scar in my heart yeah. from some some past things I'd, I'd be lying to you um but in that you know you get healed right. when people say what's that scar you share and you, t- you talk about a, a moment in your walk or where you made decisions and and you didn't even consider your walk a walk at that point yeah i gotta tell you something crazy that happened to me this is the for real, for real. Okay. Real skis. For real skis. So, um, I was in my car, and um, I have been praying about something that, that has really been bothering me, and I was by myself, and I, uh, I just started praying out loud to myself, or, you know, just driving home and I was actually driving home from church. God speaks to me most in the car. Really? Yeah. So I remember praying, God, I, I had been praying for this and praying for this. Do you even hear me? <laughs> I mean, are are you are you there? I mean, is is what I'm saying falling on deaf ears? Should I change my prayer? Should I change what I'm saying? Am I praying for it the wrong way? God, I need you to tell me you're here and you're hearing me or or do I Tell me which direction to go. You know, please just lean on my heart. And I'd got this over, I smelled this, this smell of olive oil. 
and it went away. And I thought, at this time, I was passing the sewer plant, and I, <laughs> Jesus knows this is the truth. And I thought, okay, well maybe you know. And I just shook it off, and I, you know, I was like, no. So I'm like, Lord, that wasn't you, was it? Was that you? The sewer plant does not smell like all no. of them. <laughs> And so uh, I kept praying, and I'm like, and then I went back. To, I circled back to it, and I was like, Lord, if that was you, please. I, you know, I'm not a person that just chases signs, but but God, I know that smell is a sense that you gave us yes. for a reason. Yes. And and the Bible talks about you know there being bowls of you know just incense in 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 heaven and, and all these different things. And um, I said, Lord, if you are visiting me right now and manifesting yourself in a way that I'm supposed to know for beyond doubt that you're visiting me in this prayer, please do that again. And I want you to know I smell olive oil again. <laughs> olive oil is, I mean, that's, that's the anointing oil that, I mean, mm-hmm. yes. And I just was overwhelmed. I'm like, I just felt like I had been visited by, I mean, I was. I had been visited by the Lord. And I just thought that was so cool. And I think he reminds us sometimes that, you know what? Blessed are those that love me and don't see me. You know, and I don't know, and that, that, don't quote me on that scripture. I just may have just done like a Holly one and one, but I feel like he blesses those that love him and follow him and have faith in him, but we don't physically see him. I know there's a million dollars out there, but I've never seen it, but I have faith it's out there. (laughs) Well, we forget our anointing. A lot of it stems from the crushing. The pressing, the crushing. The pressing, the crushing, the endurance. Um, That's... That's that's when that olive oil gets poured on you, so to so. Yeah. Um, and maybe that was him reminding you, Holly, that whatever you were praying for, whatever, whatever it was, that maybe he heard you the whole time, but he's allowing you to go through it so he can pour some fresh oil on your head. Yeah. It's I want to live crushing. in the overflow. Yes. We all want to live in the overflow. But, but do we do what it takes? <laughs> but we need the valleys. Yeah, we need the valleys to be able to to teach us to trust. And we can't pray ourselves out of the no, valleys. We no. spend so much time in the valley, Aaron, praying ourselves out of it that we end up spending more time in there because we're not learning the lesson. And right. he's such a faithful God, he's gonna leave me there until, until I learn what he wants lesson. me to learn. Oh yeah. Oh, well, okay. So this reminds me of, and this is what I was thinking of earlier in Lost. Uh, it reminds me of the story of Jonah. Right. So Jonah's in the boat, and God has called him to Nineveh, right? So he has said, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he said, no. And he said, no. And he just fought it. And so he got in the ship going on the way to Tarshish with a bunch of people that did not believe. And it got all crazy. So he stepped out of God's perfect will, which was to go to Nineveh. He stepped out of his perfect will, and he got on a boat to Tarshish to go the opposite direction, which, from what I understand, was like 2,500 miles, and then the 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 journey to Tarshish was like some hundreds, like 500 or some hundreds, so don't quote me on that. Um, but it was exponentially farther to Tarshish. And so he ended up jumping off the boat during that storm, because he knew that it was brought on by him being outside of the will. And when he jumped off of the boat, he got in back into the will of God. It wasn't the perfect will of God because the perfect will of God was him to do it the first time. But when he changed his course, he got into the acceptable will of the Lord, which is, okay, I, I went the wrong direction, but now I'm going to go the right direction and turn around. And he got, and he got swallowed up by the whale. The whale you know, vomited him up on the shore or whatever. And he ended up in Nineveh. So many times we cause the valleys. So many times we cause so much of the damage because we run the other direction and get out of the Lord's perfect will. And he brings on the storms to guide us back in his perfect will and get him back to where we're supposed to be. Uh isn't it amazing, Holly, how Jonah specifically did what God told him not to, 
meaning he had a relationship with God that he could hear God. He knew the path that he should take. He knew it without a shadow of a doubt, no excuse. He got scared and he said no. Um, and then the Lord, he was in the belly of hell is what the the Bible um, refers to the whale's belly as. Three days, he was spit up on the shore, and then he went and done what he was supposed to do. Isn't it amazing, y'all, that we have a God that when you go the wrong way and you're told to do this or to speak that or don't touch that or that's bad for you, that's going to harm you, but then human nature takes over and we fiddle. We, we pick up the snake that we're not supposed to pick up, and it bites us. And then the Lord redirects us back to that path, and if we're willing to go, he allows you another chance. So, wow, if you if you look at it in, like, take it out of the extreme of, of not going, of him not going to Nineveh and trying to go to Tarshish and getting the, the, the belly of the whale and all that stuff. If you break it down to, to what we do, it's the same as God says, I need you to go talk to that person over there. And you're like, no. I don't want to talk to you. Do you, you, you've seen their attitude, right? You've seen how mean they've been to me. You've seen how they've, mm. they've taken and they've, they've, they went to my boss behind my back and said I was doing something I wasn't doing. And now you want me to go over there and talk to them and pray for them and tell them that you love them. Why would I do that? They're, they don't deserve you. Mm-hmm. They don't deserve you. Yeah. And that's us being Jonah. And so then then God says, well, you know what? There was a time where you didn't deserve me. Yeah. But what would have happened if a sister Holly or a sister Megan yeah. hadn't have come over and talked to you? And well, been we there judge for you? based off of... <laughs> We judge based on what they've done to us. Well, I mean, our intentions and their actions. Right. Because that's, <laughs> and that's what Jonah did. I don't want to go to Nineveh. Mm-hmm. You know that they are not a good people. And if I go, they're going to repent and you're going to accept it because that's just who you are. Mm-hmm. And we do the same thing. If I go and talk to them, they're going to repent. They're going to accept you. But I'm still mad. And that, because that's just who you are and they don't deserve it because they were mean to me. Thank God I'm not God. Thank God I'm not God. I'm so I say that often. I say that a lot to our young ladies at church whenever we we talk. Um, thank God I'm not God. Um, something that encourages me to be forgiving, to be merciful when I am the victim, when I have been done wrong. Um, is there's a scripture in the Bible, and I mean this is just this is I, I don't know about you, but this is one of my top ten scriptures that I reference to, and I, that that just really stay in the forefront of my mind. And it, it's a scripture that talks about the, the forgiveness you give someone is what's going to be measured to you by God in the day of judgment. And I think to myself, oh, God, I know what I, I know some things I've done and said, "Ooh, I require I won't make it without your forgiveness and your mercy. So I have to extend it to the people around me, not just the people of God, the people of the world that haven't come in yet. Well, I'm good with big forgiveness. Yeah. I'm I'm not as good with little forgivenesses. Give me an example of that. Okay, so um so my dad in in my in my fam this is this is known, so it's okay for me to say. But my dad uh um molested my sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my sisters. And um so it took some years, but you know there I had to forgive him um, for and, and he abused us terribly. I mean he was very physically abusive to us. so yeah. I had to forgive him. Now whether she's forgiven him or not, that is that is her that's her story. but I mean there was there was I had to work through forgiveness for him. so that that happened and um, I moved on. You know, I don't think of him in it. He's passed away now, but I don't think of him um, badly anymore. I just, 
you know, there's just no, there's no bad emotions that come up anymore. It's just I've moved on. My life is different now. However, the sister in the church that continues to respond in an angry way or give nasty looks um, when something simple happens or, or if, if that person's, it, I see her judge or something like that, uh, it, it drives me nuts. Yeah. It makes me want to go over there and say, yeah, such were some of you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it, it, so then I'm, I'm focused on what sister, you know, um, well, I can't even make up a name because we've got so many people Winona. in the church, but Sister Winona <laughs> yeah, is, is doing. So now I'm watching Sister Winona, you know, be hateful to somebody. And I'm like, uh-uh, no, she didn't. And, and so I have a hard time. Sometimes I've had a hard time getting past. So what I've done to really, because this is a flaw in myself, I've noticed. I've, I have had to extend forgiveness and know that that's something I need to work on. So I feel better about it now. Now I don't focus on that anymore. I'm like, you know what? She's not there yet. Sister yeah. Winona's not there yet. <laughs> And it it took me longer, or it took me maybe this amount of time to get it, but I can't put a timeline on Sister Winona. So she's going to get it one day, and I've got to continue to allow her the space to be able to do that. It's not fair for me to put a time. I'm not God, and I don't know what she's going through. So that I'm good with the big forgivenesses, yeah. but it's those little forgivenesses that get that take me off track sometimes and I have to get back on the road. One of the, I admire how you're handling it though. At least you're aware and you're, you're actively working on it. But one of the things that helped me to get past some of the, to get past a hurdle, maybe like sister Winona's hurdle is, you know, being a little ugly. The, the looks aren't very welcoming in the church house um, was whenever I went through that, that same phase myself, and you could have called me Sister Winona, I didn't have a million people telling me about it. Right. You know what I mean? And so you, you, you extending that same grace period for Sister Winona, um, that's probably going to help her to even get closer to that point where maybe she doesn't do that no more. Well, because we have to be the example. Yes. You know, and and I hate that. I grew up I grew up as a pastor's kid. Hearing that. And be I the heard example. that from the time <laughs> I was able to understand it. And probably before that. You have to be the example. You have to you know, you have to watch what what you wear because you're the example. If you if you wear a short skirt, then everybody in the church is gonna think they can wear a short skirt. You know, I mean you, you have to make sure you're covered. You have to stay modest. I mean, not that you That's shouldn't be modest. That's a lot of pressure. Anyway, but it's a lot of pressure. I mean, it was a, I had a, there was a lot of pressure on me, me and my sister growing up because we were the pastor's kids and we were the quote unquote example. Um, but as Christians, we are the example. Um, if you want, notice that sister Winona is doing something that you think is not the way that it should be done. Yeah. Be the example of how it should be. Yeah. Oh. Love her through it. Yes. And and sometimes loving somebody through it me, means shutting up. Yeah. And not saying anything. No. Exactly. And that's the thing because is being the example. Yeah. When people are repetitive in their behavior and they're hurtful and they refuse to look at them. Until they look at them, you get to experience the little jabby jabs, as I yeah. call them. You do. Um, and so sometimes loving that person like you're called to is to just step aside and let them behave that way until they get to that point where they see everyone else around them being, being so kind different. and being different. And they, they wake up on the right side of bed that one morning out of nowhere, um, and they think, a little ugly and it hits them and then it becomes a desire to change that and then you got to suffer and bear with them when they get on the desire train and actually take an action because it don't happen overnight baby hey i'm telling you i am determined to love sister winona through it I mean. <laughs> 
Watch on Sunday. We'll have a new visitor, and her name will be Winona. Oh my God, <laughs> Winona! We love you, Winona. We don't even know what's we going on even, with you, Winona, but we love you. We anyway. love you, and we will love you through it. Whatever it is, we will be the example. We will love you through it. We will hug your neck and tell you you were amazing. Amen. Until you are amazing. Wow. And then we'll be like, uh, you can pull it back a little bit. No, hey, Sister Winona, do you remember when? <laughs> oh we do that with Sister Megan now. They do, y'all. Well, that wraps up our our fourth um, episode with Kick It, Don't Quit It. Um, be tuning in on our Facebook, Instagram. Um, go to our email. Our YouTube, kick, baby. Yeah. Go to our we email. Got YouTube. Kick It, Kick It, Don't Quit. Kick, Don't Quit pod at gmail.com. That's We're what it is. Kick, right, Don't Quit. There's no kick it on that one. It's just Kick, Don't Quit pod at gmail.com. Oh, that's hard to say. I'm going to have to get my son on that one. Um, send us an email. Let us know what you think. If there's something you think we should change. If you think there's something we should add. If you have any questions, please feel free to send us an email. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, we're so excited. Our fourth episode, guys. I mean, we are we are officially like major official. podcasters now. We're official. So, well, we love you guys. <laughs> Y'all have a blessed week. Be blessed. Amen. Love y'all.